Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Welcome, listeners. I'm here today with Joy Scott. Joy is an entrepreneur, spiritual activist, student of psychology and spirituality, and the author of three books. The one that's most well-known is called Magenta Nation, a handbook for healing ourselves and healing our country. The book dives deep into learning how to heal and awaken your own spirituality and how to influence others in our country and our world with intentionality and dialogue. While a director of educating at Edgar Casey's ARE clinic, Joy developed educational programs introducing holistic health to the medical community. She also conducts the educational Conversations with series in which she interviews many leaders in the field of science, spirituality, and social justice. She collaborated with producers in Hollywood to gain audiences for the scientific work of physicists Stephen Hawking and Fritjof Capra and its relationship to human consciousness. Previously, she had decades-long career in healthcare where she has helped launch innovations to improve the well-being of those who may be mentally or physically ill and those who may not have access to health care due to barriers of social justice and discrimination. So, Joy Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Robert. It is a pleasure to be here. So nice to have you. Well, today, We're going to explore your backstory and get a little bit into your book also, but I I really want to know how you got to be involved in all of this. And my my listeners are not going to know about Edgar Cayce. Some of them won't. I do. I'm fascinated by it. And I want to hear the whole story. So take it away, Joy. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Well, I think we all have at some point, if we're on a, a spiritual journey, kind of wondered about what we were taught traditionally and wondered if this makes sense. You know, is there a heaven and a, and a hell? Um, you know, how should I be living my life? And so when I was growing up, I had those kinds of questions. And in a dime store in the small town in Indiana where I lived, I found a little book. And it was about someone called Edgar Casey, who was um, a psychic and a mystic. Uh, probably America's best known psychic. He passed away in 1945, but his readings were all recorded and studied. And there's an organization that is still involved in that work going on today. So this opened my eyes to different concepts uh, about the idea of reincarnation and spiritual learning instead of um, uh, the hell and, and heaven and hell Uh, teachings that we usually are exposed to as we grow up, which made tremendous sense to me. So I started reading and studying, and uh, most of his readings were related to healthcare. Most people who came to him had health problems. And he really, from this psychic state, introduced the concept of holistic health as we know it today, that health is a combination. It's not just the physical body, it's 
the mind and the spiritual forces. He said, um, mind is the builder, uh, spirit is the creative force, and the physical is the result. So in order to heal, the focus should first be on the spirituality of the person and what their goals are and what they really want to be here on the earth plane for. Um, is it just for their own selfishness or is there an ideal there of service and a desire for oneness? And then as that ideal becomes clearer, how is that being put into effect? What are the attitudes? You know, what is the, the constructive nature of mind in living by those ideals? And that as you're aligned with that spiritual ideal, you become healthy or not. Of course, lifestyle habits have something to do with this as well, obviously. But um, it's more than genetics and it's more than lifestyle in terms of our physical health. So um, when I finished college, I found myself in Arizona and there was a clinic there, medical clinic that was applying these precepts. There were uh, two physicians, Dr. Bill and Gladys McGarry had made their practice into a clinic devoted to the application of the Casey readings and the organization, um, the ARE is the Association for Research and Enlightenment, which is the group that um, the organization that today um, still carries on that, that uh, work of research with the readings. So I went to work there, long story short, and had the wonderful experience of being part of a spiritual community there for five years, doing educational programs. We were trying to introduce these concepts on an international level, medical symposium, people, uh, uh, medical professionals coming from around the world. Uh, we had um, you know, the leading physicians in this area of holistic health. We had those who were uh, even some uh, who were psychic healers, uh, who were doing all kinds of new modalities in, in the healing space. And it was considered very, very fringe at the time. Uh, now, of course, we have the idea of integrative medicine, which is kind of the, the child of holistic health. Um, and it's, uh, these concepts are much more widely accepted, at least on the, on the physical and mental level. Can I so, interrupt you for one second, Joy? Sure. I, I want to get back into the story. And I also want our listeners to know a little bit more of the backstory of Edgar Casey. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I know that he was known as a sleeping prophet. Can yes. you explain a little bit about how he gained this information that, that you then became aware of through the book and through working in the organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Edgar Casey was a normal person born in Kentucky uh, in, the, I think, 1877 and uh, grew up, was, did not have a formal education, was a very religious and spiritual person. He read the Bible every day of his life and found that he had certain psychic abilities, which initially were kind of scary um, because that wasn't part of, of his belief system. But uh, it was discovered that he could kind of put himself into a, a hypnotic trance. And when he was in that condition, um, answer questions about uh, an individual who didn't have to be in the room at all, could be anywhere, and really diagnose them uh, as to their, their physical condition. 
And he, a lot of uh, uh, medical doctors, of course, studied him and were amazed that he had this psychic diagnostic ability, which usually agreed with them. Sometimes he came up with things that they hadn't found yet. And then he would prescribe what the person should do. Um, and the therapies mostly uh, related to kind of restoring the natural balance in the body, um, osteopathic treatments, um, uh, massage, um, colonics, a variety of different remedies. Um, and uh, he was so psychic that some, there's a story that a person was supposed to get this um, uh, a certain remedy and they couldn't find it. And he said, well, go to this store. They have it. So they went to the store and the store said, we don't have this. And he and his trans state said, yes, they do. It's on the shelf in the back room behind these bottles of whatever. So they went to the back room, moved the bottles, found the remedy that he had been recommending. So uh, he also ended up doing readings, uh, they called them life readings about individuals' spiritual and um, mental challenges, how to live your lives. And he was asked uh, by a group of people to do a series of readings on how to live a spiritual life, which became books called A Search for God, which there are groups all over the country, all over the world studying this material now. He's, uh, people said, how do we become psychic? And he said, well, first you become spiritual. And uh, so it involves you know, meditation, prayer, and, and studying and putting these precepts to work in your life. He also did a lot of readings about uh, when he was alive, it was during the 20s and 30s and into World War II, of course, through World War I. So there was a lot of upheaval. And he gave what they call also world readings and said that the problem here is that we have not accepted that we are our brother's keeper, um, that we are not accepting our spiritual responsibilities to act with kindness and with one spiritual accord. And that as we do that, uh, we can heal our world as well. Um, so the, uh, the organization runs uh, now, you know, if people are interested, it's in Virginia Beach, Virginia, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, and they can go to Edgar Casey, and Casey is spelled C-A-Y-C-E uh, dot org um, to read all about all of the programs and uh, all of the teachings. It's a, really a wonderful, wonderful organization. Wonderful. Uh, thank you for sharing that information so that everybody will know that amazing story. So let's go back to where we left, left off with your story. So you were working for this, uh, this organization in Arizona. Yes. Um, at the kind of at the beginning of what we would call the, the holistic health movement. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and in, it was, again, it was an amazing, amazing experience and, um, life goes on. I got married and had children and I wanted them to experience the Casey, uh, lifestyle and, and the, the teachings and most of all the community that I had enjoyed so much. So I started bringing them to ARE programs. I got reinvolved and, and helped to organize some programs for youth. Um, kind of motivated. Again, I wanted my children to have that experience. And 
as they grew up, I also became more involved in the organization again. And today I am, I've been in a study group now for about 20 years. I am the, the Los Angeles area coordinator for the ARE, and we are doing programs here, of course, Zoom programs, study groups. Um, and then I became well, concerned about what was going on in America, as a lot of us are, we have a, you know, when you talk about Casey having lived through the depression, you know, two world wars, uh, we have a lot of, uh, of problems and it's can be very, very scary. And uh, the pandemic is the latest one, but it seemed like um, there was such divisiveness in our country. How can we come together? Like he said, you have to have one ideal. Well, that sounded crazy and impossible. Uh, and he even said that in the reading, this may sound impossible, but, but it can be done. So I went back and started studying more to find out how could this happen? Uh, I was studied the, the uh, readings. I did a lot of research in the area of intentionality and how our thoughts do indeed create reality. There's been more uh, scientific research done in this area. For example, how our mind and emotions affects the construct of water, how it influences plants, prayer experiments that have been able to stop violence in certain areas of the world for a period of time. And looking at the historical record, reading a book by Stephen Schwartz, uh, The Eight Laws of Social Change. Um, and he is a person who's done many things, including uh, a lot of the uh, research in remote viewing, and applied that, looked at history. The Quakers, for example, were a tiny group of people who affected huge changes in the world uh, by getting involved in the abolitionist movement uh, and many other things. The right for women to vote uh, originated from small groups who had purpose and with patience succeeded in making huge changes. And there are also instances where changes happened overnight. Like I grew up in the Cold War and we were taught to hide under our desks and you know, nuclear holocaust was just one button push away. And then in 1989, all of a sudden it all changed. The Berlin Wall came down and it was over. Not that we don't have any more problems, but the one, that thing that had been hanging over our heads for a whole for three generations uh, was gone. Uh, and that's an example, I think, of how things can really change overnight. Now, what did Edgar Casey say? He was also known as being a prophet who predicted the future. So, you know, we're certainly going through this period that's very much like his time of upheaval. And we're seeing all kinds of divisiveness in our society and across the world. And I'm just curious what he had to say about this particular moment in history that we find ourselves in now. Yeah. Well, um, he didn't get a lot of questions about this, you know, in the future for this era, but he talked a lot about the era of 58 to 98, in which he said there were going to be major changes in the earth and the environment. And indeed, when you look back, there were uh, momentous things that occurred uh, during that time that we're now starting to see the effects of um, with climate change. 
So um, he didn't really talk about the present era, but indicated that there were a lot of changes coming. And again, emphasized the importance of coming together and having a, a singular spiritual ideal in order to, to guide things forward. And now he described it, I, I was kind of taking note of some of what you said earlier about, I, I am my brother's keeper. Yes. And I'm, I'm curious about the, the spirituality that he advocated because clearly he came from a Christian background. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways we could describe his vision and his teachings as a, a continuation of Christianity, but in other ways, uh, like the the idea of psychic phenomena, that's something that that I would say I would probably argue that most Christians have a problem with. Mm -hmm. So, what? How would you describe this sense of spirituality that emerged out of his background and then his experiences? You know, I would say it's ecumenical, and although he would often talk in terms that were very Christian, it is not limited. Uh, all religions were one. You know, God is one. We are one. That was the the main theme of of the readings. It wasn't a. Um, it was, I would say, pan-religious. Mm. There was no particular uh, religious uh, background endorsed ever. And he said, you use this material to, if you get a benefit from it, terrific. And he said, if I ever uh, harm anyone, I will never do this again. I will stop. But it um, proved so beneficial. Of course, he continued on with it throughout his whole life. So the people who are involved with his work today, I mean, they are from all walks of life. They are all over the world. Uh, yesterday, I was on a call with someone from the Philippines. Um, Japan, Africa, uh, uh, Europe, Australia. I mean, they're all over the world from all kinds of backgrounds. And the message is we work to become one with God or the creative forces. And that is a message we can all learn from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one more question before we finish up our first interview together. And that is about the specifics of the information um, for, that you have had access to personally. In other words, um, I know that during his lifetime, he would do these readings that were for particular individuals. And now a lot of the dissemination has to do with how people who have similar health concerns can apply the same ideas. Did you yourself ever have need for any of the, the Edgar Casey information for your health and well-being? Um, in small ways, I have been blessed with extraordinary health. I would say I applied, there, there were a couple of illnesses I had where, in fact, one was prescribed a salt pack. And so I was lying and with the salt pack across my abdomen and praying. And I really felt the presence of Jesus there. So, uh, and, and I got better, you know, I got better right away. Um, and I do the preventive things uh, that he like castor oil packs. Uh, and um, there are a number of things. In fact, if you go to www.magenta-nation.com, we have some of our videos up. And the last one we did was about all the Casey readings and the things you should have in your medicine cabinet and uh, apply. I think for me, 
the healing has been primarily on a spiritual and emotional level in terms of, uh, let's say you come out, you're wondering what the world's all about. It doesn't seem to make sense. How do I find my way? And more and more giving a construct for um, living my own life, managing my own attitudes and emotions, Mm. learning forgiveness, um, practicing the meditation and the prayer. And that has changed me tremendously. It has been a wonderful gift uh, for me in my own life. Beautiful. And and what a perfect way to end our first interview together, Joy. So I want to thank you for being here with me on this first interview. What a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Likewise, Robert. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Please tune in for our next episode because we have a lot more to discuss with Joy. Take care, everybody. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.